All right, Acts chapter 8, are you there? Aren't you glad we have a Bible? I love the Bible. And I was, my sister taught me a song years ago, and so I love the Bible. I love the Bible because I read it and I do it. I read it and I do it. I love the Bible. I love the Bible because I read it and I do it. I read it and I do it while I'm reading through it. While I'm reading through it, I read it and I do it. I obey what I have heard. I'm a doer of God's word because I love the Bible. How many love your Bible? Amen. You got the song, Get the New Look from the Old Book. Get your Bible ready to go. Get the new look from the old book. Get the new look from. Get the new look. Get the new look from God's word. The inward look, the outward look, the upward look from the old, old book. Get the new look. Get the new look from God's Word. I hope you'll love your Bible. Read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Memorize it. Share it with other people. And definitely do whatever the Bible tells you to do. If God tells you something, we ought to do it. We're taking a few weeks and talking through the book of Acts and uh, about lessons we can learn from the early church. Now, the early church, I don't know how long that has been going now, but we know the book of Acts, chapter 1, uh, Jesus goes up to heaven. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down to earth to dwell inside of believers. Chapter 3, the disciples, and chapter 2, they, who people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, go out and start conversations with people about the gospel of Christ to share the gospel of Christ with them. And then people start coming in. 3,000 at one time, 5,000 another time. And every day, the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. By the way, that should be the same in our day. We ought to see people saved on a regular basis. We ought to get into conversation with people that tell them about Christ. Keep gospel tracts with you and tell other people about the Lord wherever you may be. Get into a conversation. The Spirit of God's working in you. Uh, if you haven't been provo provoked to share the gospel with someone or bothered by that, you ought to get a checkup from the heart up. <laughs> Make sure the Holy Spirit has an audience with you, that you're listening to Him and that you're responding to the Holy Spirit of God. Well, we find that God is now, the church is growing, time is going by, and persecution arises. Uh, there, is some, there is some discipline that God does in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. And then there's a jail time that, that Peter spends in jail. And uh, they're warned not to speak in Jesus' name again. Chapter 6, uh, a good church is not a perfect church. Churches have problems. They have structural problems. They have social problems. This church is no exception to that. We got problems going on right now at First Baptist Church of Hammond. And may I say to you, the more people, the more... No, you shouldn't have said it like that. Yeah, but the more people, the more... You got more problems. Uh, Some say, well, I'm going to go to a smaller church. You'll still find problems. Yeah, wherever you take yourself, you're going to find problems. <laughs> it's true, because wherever you go, you got to take yourself. And never find, if you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor. Don't join it. You know, don't, don't mess it up. You're not going to find a perfect church. And this perfect church has some structural problems. It had some social problems with the Grecian widows. And uh, they had some problems with the, 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 the Israelite-born wid uh, uh, widows that were there. And there was, they felt like there was some partiality and some structural and social issues. And God 
chose to answer that problem through dedicated men who were chosen by the church leadership to stand up, step up, and help solve the problem they did. And two of those men were exceptionally used of God and were highlighted in the scriptures for us. The first one being Stephen. You can read his story in Acts chapter 7. He is, uh, preaches a very challenging message. He starts with the Old Testament. He knew they were going to take his life, I think. He knew that this was his last time. He would preach his last message. And uh, he gave it to them with both barrels. And he told them, look, you, he rehearsed the Old Testament. He talked about Abraham, and he talked about Moses. He talked about Joseph and Jacob and all those. And he took them through their lineage and then take, took them right to the cross and right to Jesus. And he told them about Christ. And some people, many were convicted that day, so much so that I believe one of those men convicted was Saul of Tarshish. He couldn't get the face of that angel off his, off his mind. I imagine it just it infuriated him. At the same time, he was convicted by the Lord. And we'll see that in Acts chapter 9. He is, it says, hard for you to kick against the pricks. You never can know what God's doing inside of somebody. But Acts chapter 8, we find one of the other deacons. There were seven of them chosen, and Stephen and Philip, and there's other, of course, others that you'll find there in that list uh, Grecian men who took care of the Grecian widows. And they worked on that situation and took care of them. But they were men of God. But once they killed Stephen, then they started the people who were an, the adversarial to Christ, to Christianity, they started looking for some other deacons. So it looks like to me that, that uh, Philip moved into Samaria. He moved into the hood. He moved into the place where the Jewish police would not go. And he went into the hood. And it was all good in the hood because he gave the gospel of Christ to the people in that community. Let's read if we can, please. But I want us to take note today of a few things that we can learn about what God did almost 2,000 years ago for us to learn today at First Baptist Church of Hammond. Verse number one, the Bible says this, and Saul was consenting unto his death. He's the guy. They laid the coats down at Saul's feet. So he was one of the ones who gave his vote. That guy's got to go. Let's kill Stephen. He was the one, and we don't know that he threw any rocks, but he took care of all of their coat. I'll take your coat. I'll take your coat. Here, put it here. He's the voting, uh, maybe the dividing, deciding vote, and he took him there, and then they, they killed Stephen. He was consenting. And at that time, there was a great persecution. You'll find that Dr. Luke, the man who God used to inspire his word to us uh, in, this, in this story, uses the word great several times. Great grace was upon the people. Great joy. But here he said it was great persecution. A tremendous amount of pressure was put upon this early church. Look, if you would, please. And the Bible says, and against the church, which was at Jerusalem. I want you to notice the first thing I want to share with you is every church will go through seasons of adversarial battles. Every church is going to go through times where we'll be persecuted from within and from without. From discord among the brethren to attacks from the outside. And here we find there was one man behind much of that, and that was Saul. We'll find that he was, uh, he was really persecuting, but he had a lot of other people to help. It wasn't him by himself. And today, in America, uh, we have this. We have it internationally in the world around. There are some, our brothers and sisters today that are suffering intensely for their cause for Christ. There are people that are being killed as we speak, no doubt, somewhere in the world, in northern Nigeria, in Yemen, 
in places of, of Rwanda and places like that where people are being persecuted and their churches are being burned and their people are being pulled out. And there are men who are pastors of churches who are arrested and in jail cells as we speak. There's great persecution. I have a friend of mine, name is his Pastor Athing Shimrai. And he is in a Hindu area of, of India and in, the, uh, in Guwahati. And there he has been, he's had a gun to his head. He's been taken to jail. He's been persecuted. Rocks have been thrown at him. He's, and he's, but boy, when you write to him, oh yeah, this happened, this happened. Oh, I know, it's kind of bad. But hey, we're starting two new churches next month, you know. And boy, it's just beautiful to hear him. And last night we, we, we voted to help and to get those churches started. He wants four new churches in the next four months. And uh, it's just, I'm watching him, and I may show some pictures tonight of him baptizing new converts in this, uh, in this little swamp area there, and just uh, beautiful testimonies. But he's persecuted, he's tortured, he's get people who are not of the Christian faith or Hindus are very aggressive against him. That's going on. We don't have that. We have it on Facebook. <laughs> you know, we have it in social media, and we feel like we're real martyrs. We've killed the big one because we've got someone said something bad about us. And, but every church will have seasons of difficulty. It just goes with living in a sin-cursed, Satan-controlled world. The God of this world, when you wrestle, he says, you don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and power and rulers of darkness. And the early church teaches us that seasons of difficulty are the norm. You'll see a cycle going to the book of Acts. You'll see that there's prayer. And then there is, uh, there is uh, unity and passion. And then there's proclaiming the gospel. And then there's persecution. And then there's more prayer. And then there's more unity and proclaiming the gospel. And there's persecution. You'll see it go in, in cycles throughout that. And it goes in cycles in our life today. And, and in this church and other churches where the gospel of Christ is being concerned. I think there are many churches the devil has no a need to give any attention. They're doing just fine. They're doing nothing for the cause of Christ. No one is running buses. No one is getting the gospel out. No one's giving out gospel tracts. They're, they're light work. They can just continue to assemble. But boy, for churches that are trying, and for Christians who are trying to do the right thing, you're going to have some problems. You're going to have some difficulties. I want you to notice the second thing, if you would please, and that is in the end of that verse, verse number one, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Once you notice, God strategically in 8.1 says what he did say in 1.8. Do you know what 1.8 says? But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The problem is the church had set steadfastly in Jerusalem. They had not gone out to two other locations where God told them to go to. What other two locations? And ye shall be witness unto me, both simultaneously in Jerusalem and in Judea and also in Samaria. Boy, that hit the fan with them. They didn't like that. The Samaritans, they, that was the people from the other side of the tracks. Those are people that are not like us. They don't worship like us. They don't eat our food. They don't think, they don't treasure our culture. They're different than us. And Jesus said, I want you to go through them. I want you to get the gospel to them. And then go to the uttermost parts of the earth. He gave that to them in 8.1, but in, excuse me, 1.8, Acts 1.8, but in 8.1, Acts 8 and verse 1, they still had not gone. They still very comfortably sat in Jerusalem, and guess what happened? God allowed Satan to turn up the persecution 
and it made them scatter. Boy, I tell you what, all of us got to realize that God's goal is global conquest. He wants everyone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants every, everyone. He wants a, a kindred of every tribe and every kindred and, and race to hear the gospel of Christ. But many of us were very happy just to stay in our proverbial Jerusalem and enjoy church. You go, oh, let's just go do church. You know why you do church? So you get out there and do something else. <laughs> so you go do soul winning. So you do giving, so you do holy living, so you get out and do something else. It's not just to come to sit soaking sour within the walls of a church, but it is to get out there and find someone you can help. He said, now they're global conquest, so there is a methodology here of scattering. You'll see the word. Look, if you would please, in verse number one, it says, and they were all what? Scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Once you look, if you would please, at um, also verse number three, and Saul, he made havoc of the church. It means he just was tearing them up. He was causing all kinds of turmoil. Uh, entering every house, hailing men and women, and committing them to prison. And verse number four, read it out loud with me. Therefore, they that were abroad went everywhere. What did they do? Complaining and griping and frustrated? No, they used the persecution and the scattering, the persecution called scattering, and they went everywhere, and instead of going over there and going around to all our friends and getting sympathy for how bad it is to be me, they went and found someone who needed Jesus and told them about Christ. What do you do when you have a problem? What do I do? We get our stuff out there on Facebook, MySpace, and in your face, and anywhere else that they'll listen to you. So much stuff is just, just a ridiculous how much time is taken up, how much foolishness that people will say on a computer, on a phone. Things that you would text, you would never say in, in person, but you'll text it. You would never be so critical, and if you are, something's wrong with you anyway. You've got, you got, you got problems. But instead, of, instead of taking on this, this and just woe is me, this victim mentality, say, so you know what, listen, let's, let's keep the gospel going. Let's go everywhere and let's tell people about Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we ought to do. Remember when we got the news, and I, don't, I didn't plan to say this, but I'll never forget getting the call from the coroner's office 13 years ago tonight from the San Jose coroner that our son is with the Lord. And he said he, said he suffered fatal, fatal injuries, Mr. Wilkerson, and we're so sorry. The man in the back, he, didn't, he wasn't injured. The driver's not injured, but um, your son suffered fatal injuries. And I remember hanging up the phone, and Linda said, he's gone, isn't he? Yeah, baby, he's gone. Trying to figure some things out from that point. It was a Saturday morning, 2.39 in the morning, and we had, we had uh, time to wait for people to wake up. I didn't want to call everybody in the middle of the night and get the same stunning response that I got. I remember waiting in the morning hours. I called Brother Vargo about 5.22 in the morning, told him, and waited for my mom to wake up over in the East Coast and called her, and telling everybody, but I remember looking at Linda and the kids. We woke each of the kids up and told them individually what happened, and that Tyler is not going to be coming home. He's going to live with Jesus. But I remember thinking about those things, and I, I remember looking at them. And on Saturday mornings, we always went soul winning. That's so we went out to we went to Victory Club, and we met with our friends, and and uh, we would go tell people about Jesus. 
And I was looking at them, and we had a few friends come over and sit with us and love us through that time. And Linda said, what are we going to do with our day? I said, why don't we just go soul winning? And we did. We didn't separate this time. Linda didn't go on her bus route. And we went in there, we met with our friends, and we embraced and loved. And then we went and saw people, started talking about Christ. We went to see a man who was in hospice care. We figured he would be our next person we would know for sure that would see Tyler and talk to him. And I told Brother Mark, Mark, uh, Tyler went to heaven last night, and you're going to go to heaven here in a couple days, and he did. So we thought we'd come by and just tell you when you see him, you can say hello to him. But uh, started witnessing to people in that area and in that area, talking about that. You know, we're not a great Christian. We're not great Christians. But there was something that God calmed our hearts and gave us strength by seeking the salvation of souls, even through difficult seasons of your life. You can do that. We're not super Christians. You got the same Holy Spirit. The same problems. You have the same, many of the same problems. Some of you have lost loved ones. Take your burdens and rather than taking obstacles and, and just, you know, take them and turn them into opportunities to share the gospel with someone. One of our good missionaries who serves the Lord in Brazil. He was traveling with his wife, his new wife, just been married just a few months or maybe a year or two. And his mother. And uh, he's now in Brazil doing a great job in Sao Paulo. But they had a wreck in Mexico, and the car flipped, and he went to tend to his mother. His mother's dead. He went to tend to his wife, and his wife is dead. And he stood there, and 35 people started pulling over and just trying to talk to him and comfort them. And he's, laying, he's standing there with his wife and his mother dead. And he said, you know what? I think I'm just going to tell the gospel to everybody here. He said, my wife is dead, but she's alive. (laughs) She lives with God because she accepted Jesus Christ. My mother, she just breathed her last breath, but she's alive right now. She has eternal life because she accepted Jesus. And 35 people, there were more people there than that, but 35 of them right there at the accident scene accepted Jesus as their Savior. Taking a difficult time and turning into an opportunity to share the gospel. Something all of us ought to do. We see here God is interested in getting the gospel to everybody and he needs us to scatter to do that. And one thing I don't like about the local church is that there's a lot of attrition. I hate it when someone leaves. I had a pastor today text me this morning and said, I'm kind of licking my wounds. One of our sweet men and his family decides to leave our church and go to another church in town. And that happens sometimes, and maybe it's understandable. And I know that God sometimes moves different sheep to different flocks for his own purposes. I wouldn't do that yourself, though. Make sure you know, and you've prayed about that, and you know it's what God wants you to do. I think it's difficult how many people have happy feet. Oh, I like this church. They have this now. They have better programs. No, no, no. You don't do that for programs. You do it because of the will of God. But he said, I'm kind of disappointed about that. But you know, the truth of the matter is, I don't like it when that happens. But I also think, and I don't like it when good people leave and they go off and serve God. But you know, if Ted and Elizabeth Spear didn't leave, there wouldn't be the wonderful work there in Ghana you'll see tonight. If Mark, Cassie Bachman didn't leave, there wouldn't be souls being saved in Turkey. If Stephen and Megan Fry didn't leave, there wouldn't be people getting saved in Taiwan yesterday through their soul in your ministry. Sometimes God just chooses to say, hey, listen, I'm sure no one in Jerusalem said, oh, Philip, please leave. (laughs) 
They wanted him to stay. But God wanted people to get saved. We find here in the scriptures, number one, that difficult times come. Number two, we find that global conquest and that scattering is necessary in God's plan. Number three, I love verse two. Look at it. With, with, read it out loud with me. You ready? And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made. I am so glad that in this church and in every God-blessed church, there are devoted men and women who step up in difficult times. Somebody in that church risked their own lives to go and pull the rocks off Stephen maybe waiting for other people to throw rocks at them. They didn't even know what was going to happen. They pulled off the rocks off him, and, and they, they brushed off his face and rolled him up and put him on a gurney and carried his body, got him decorated, got him taken care of, spiced it up and put him in a grave and cried and lamented the loss of a good man. I want to tell you, listen, folks, whatever you are, you ought to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's enough spare time and pocket change Christians out there. Why don't you and I decide, you know what, I want to, I'm all in. I'd go to camp years ago. I love going to camp. But I didn't, I, and I liked the swim time in the afternoon. When the swim time came, it was fun. But on Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, they would make you, before you could swim, they'd have this beautiful deep blue water out there in the, uh, in the lake there at Chatech, Wisconsin, where I went to camp a couple times. And, but they had this, and then they had the area roped off, and it was a shallow end. And it was the lake, and it was kind of muddy and, and that kind of thing. And I don't know, some of me did not want to stay in that shallow end. But you had to do a little test first, and you had to swim from your back and back and forth with a lifeguard before they give you permission to swim in the deep end. Boy, I like to swim in the deep end because you can't feel the bottom of the pool out there. You can jump off the diving board. You can hit the blob and go off, and it was a lot of fun. But if you didn't pass that, and then some guy's like, I don't want you to go in the deep end. And so they get over there in the little shallow end, and they just splash themselves. They throw mud at each other. And they just go over there, and they fight, and they wrestle, and they throw mud, and, and it's, the, the water is dirty. And it's just camp is not fun. Splashing <laughs> yourself. If you're going to swim, get out in the deep end. I like what Jesus said to his disciples. Launch out into the... Are you someone just like, you just want to put your feet in there and just feel like a little bit of... Are you in there just splash yourself and then get over there and throwing mud at other people on Facebook and all that stuff? Just fighting and arguing? It's a lot better out in the deep end of life. I thank God there were some devoted men who stood up and said, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I don't care. Some might throw rocks at me. I might be the next guy they're burying, but I'm going to take and get that body. We're going to decorate that body. We're going to take him down there. We're going to weep, and we're going to howl and mourn over the loss of a good man. And I don't care what happens. We're going to, I'm all in in this situation. You know, all of us ought to have, and we don't have to wrap up bodies, most of us. Maybe Brother Crutchfield or, or some folks who work at the cemeteries. Have to, most of us... It's not what God's asking us. He's asking us to stand up in difficult times. Give, serve, love, keep, quit whining, quit complaining. Find something you can do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Find someone you can encourage, someone that you can stand up and encourage and lift up somebody else. Instead of wanting a position or wanting this or wanting that. These, these devout men, we don't even have their name. God didn't say, well, this guy, this guy, and this guy. So just devoted people. Went out and got that guy and... They took care of him, and they didn't care what the crowd said. And they cried out and said, what happened here shouldn't have happened. 
It's a good man. We're going to miss him in our church. And they comforted his sweet wife and his kids, no doubt, as they took his body to the graveyard. I'm just glad when difficult times in the local church happen, first of all, people get scattered, and that's okay if they're going out and giving the gospel. Get used to it. This world is not our home. We're, when we all get to heaven, well, I think about Brother Mark Duff, how I miss him. I miss his beautiful wife, Priscilla, and Jacob's birthdays today, and, and glad that God let Johnny and Megan stay with us. But I miss them, but boy, I'm so glad. I heard him preach a little bit this morning on the, on the Wi-Fi, and I thought, oh, that's great. God's using him. And see God using him. But do I, my sad he's gone? Yeah, but I'm glad that the gospel of Christ is furthering. He got to lead a mechanic to the Lord a couple weeks ago, and he, got, he came forward and made a public profession of faith, and God's saving other people in that ministry. It's a good thing. God scatters us for his own purposes. But we need devoted people to step up. There's a bus route that could be. Some of, I was thinking about this. I'm praying that God will cause some folks to say, you know what, I need to start a bus route. I need to be a bus captain. I'll never forget my wife coming to me years ago when she was just had a little kid. She goes, John, you're so busy on Saturday. You're making this visit. You're winning this person. You're discipling someone. I got to do something with the kids. For 13 years, Linda was a bus captain. Just got everybody on the bus and went visiting on Saturday morning, saw the, all the beer cans out in the front porch and witnessed the people and tried to get them to church. And, and she led a man to the, she, she brought a little boy and her little, his little sister. The mom and dad later became the chairman of our deacon board after they got saved because of her work on the bus route. Well, some, some folks, maybe you can help someone. If you can't be a bus captain, you can help a bus route. You can help a young couple raising kids. You can encourage some of your Sunday school teacher and go out and visit with them or go make some visits for them. Find something you can do. Be devoted to the Lord. My goodness, I wish our time could keep going. But let's be devoted Christians. Can I give you one more thought if I can? We've got to overcome prejudice. Confront and overcome prejudice. Look, if you would please, at verse number 5. Then Philip went down to the city of... Samaria, that place where none of the Jews wanted to go. And what did he do when he went there? He preached Christ unto them. Dear friend, one thing we know about God, he is not a respecter of persons. And if he's not that way, I shouldn't be that way either. If you've got issues in regards to that, you need to ask God to forgive you, confess it as sin, and ask God to help you love somebody who's different than you. And ask God to keep your heart right with him. Some wonderful lessons from the early church.